This is the Friday, September 23, 2022 version of the market analysis segment from Market to Market. A new round of threats from Russia cast a big shadow on the global trade. For the week, the nearby wheat contract added 21 cents, while the December corn contract lost a penny. Some profit-taking and reduction in demand due to COVID shutdown slowed the soybean complex. The November contract shed 23 cents. December meal gained $1.60 per ton. December cotton shrank 675 per hundredweight. Over in the dairy parlor, October Class 3 milk futures declined 40 cents. The livestock market was lower. October cattle dropped 125. October feeders cut 290. October lean hogs, well, they decreased by 427. In the currency markets, the U.S. dollar index put on 284 ticks. November crude oil, well, it dropped by 631 or 7% per barrel. Comex Gold lost 33.90 per ounce, and the Goldman Sachs Commodity Index fell by almost 26 points to finish at 6.05 even. Joining us now to provide some insight is Matthew Bennett. Welcome back, sir. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, bud. So, you know, Matthew, I, I look at all, read a whole lot of down part of that market. Why'd the wheat market, given the story out of Russia, both more threats, more crop, we're dry in this country. What was the biggest pull higher this week? You know, I think the, the main thing is, you know, more tough talk, I guess, out of the Black Sea region. You know, you, you wonder, are these uh, stocks of wheat, uh, first of all, are we going to be able to get them out uh, on a regular basis? Second of all, uh, what's going to be the prospects of a big Ukraine crop uh moving forward, you know, or let alone Russia. And so, you know, there's just a lot of uh, unrest there. There's a lot of talk that, uh, you know, you, you could have major issues there for a multi-year type situation instead of it maybe coming to a, a head very quickly and, and this thing getting over with uh, fast. You, know, you, hear, you hear a lot of stuff going on in Russia with people getting called into the reserves. It's just, it doesn't sound good. And, and all that certainly is going to play a role in the wheat market. Uh, probably one of the bigger issues, in my opinion. Do we have a range, $9, $9.50? What do you see? You know, I think if you get uh, substantially over $9 for producers that have seen that uh, with July, I mean, I know some have stepped in and hedged some. I have no issue with that. I don't see us getting wildly out of control to the upside. Uh, to me, this is a chance to hedge off some risk, but at the same time, I want to stay flexible. I could see, you know, the potential for, you know, uh, some sort of a blow off type rally at some point. You know, if you continue to have the issues that we're seeing and we, for instance, don't get a lot of wheat planted uh, in that part of the world uh, coming up, but at the same time, uh, you've got to be careful as a producer to not take what is a very profitable situation, latch a hold of it, at least to an extent, you know, and then keep yourself flexible for an upside rally. Let's move over to corn for a minute. Uh, that's going on basically in your backyard, the harvest. Uh, what are you seeing so far? Uh, pretty good yields, you know. So uh, in my part of the world, we've had uh, really good weather. You don't have to get 20, 30 miles away, and people maybe weren't quite so fortunate. But, you know, we've had all the rainfall you'd ever want, uh, you know. And, and so some of the yields that we've seen have been some of the best that we've seen before. At the same time, you know, there, uh, again, is going to be, uh, I think, a fair amount of folks that have some challenging uh, type yields. You know, uh, a lot of the yield reports that we're getting throughout the countryside are, uh, you know, it's pretty good, but maybe a little bit disappointing. Uh, I think we're hearing a little bit different story whenever it comes to beans, but uh, for the most part, the early yield reports on corn, I'd say are average, maybe to a bit disappointing, depending on exactly where you're at. 
you're not a scientist or a data scientist, but you do watch the commodities. The data that you see anecdotally, uh, looking at technical resistance, when I mean, we're talking $7 technical topside, where does this corn market, what kind of range do we have on it? You know, the thing is, is that it sure seems like going up and above that $7 level, uh, maybe that 7, uh, 25, 26 area where you've got a gap is, is maybe going to be unlikely at this point. I think, you know, a week ago, uh, you know, after the report and you saw some of the strength in beans kind of pulling corn on up uh, with it. I had to think maybe there was a chance to get up there. And I'm not saying that there's not at this stage of the game, but some of the uh, macro fears, the global fears, recession, if you will, uh, makes me think that it's going to be a little bit tougher road to hoe to get up to those sorts of levels. And so uh, one way to put it, I think uh, people have asked me, what are you doing with corn that either that you've already got contracted or maybe that you're selling at some of these quick ship uh, levels? Uh, it's hard for me to re-own $7 corn, I guess. Uh, it, it just doesn't seem right. Now, I'm not saying we can't go on up from there, uh, but I certainly feel like that's got to be a pretty stiff uh, level of resistance. We have a game we're going to play in Market Plus in just a little bit, Matthew, where I'm going to ask you basically a follow-up to that question. But before we move on to beans with corn, uh, even until today, we were lower pretty much on a lot of the commodities. Was there any specific reason for that close lower today? Yeah, I think corn, you know, you look over in the wheat market, obviously struggling as well. I think whenever it comes to corn, it's just a, along with everything else. I mean, you, you look at energies. I mean, you look at the dollar uh, rallying sharply. I mean, we're looking at uh, really as high as what we've seen the dollar since, uh, you know, since the euro came on board. And so, you know, it's extremely uh, stiff resistance for commodities whenever you see that kind of strength. We're already the most expensive corn on the world market. And so, uh, you know, I think that it gives just a reason for the bears to step in and sell this. But at the same time, you know, we're so tight domestically, and even the world numbers are tightening up. You know, you look at this last USDA report that it makes me think we're going to have some good support under this market at the same time. Uh, again, another question, but this time we're going to go to it. Let's uh, discuss the dollar. You kind of alluded to it a little bit. Uh, this question came in from Randy in Cresco, Iowa, and this one via Twitter. He wants to know, is the U.S. dollar the sleeping gorilla for 2022-23? He says, inflation is feeding the bulls. Is the dollar going to feed the bears? Yeah, that's a great question from Randy. Good guy. Uh, you know, and I think that it's a tough question to answer. The thing is, is that, you know, you've got some major differences. And the question uh, actually uh, answers some of what I'm saying here is that, you know, essentially you've got this huge tug of war. And so I think as a producer, what you've got to understand is these two uh, uh, different dynamics in the markets may, should make you want to at least quantify some worst case scenarios in the event that the dollar making our corn so expensive on the world market makes exports even smaller than what the USDA suggested they'd be. At this stage of the game, we're running well behind the pace that we need to meet their goal, which their goal is a trimmed back goal. They took $100 million off this last report. And so, you know, absolutely, I want to at least quantify worst case scenario in, in the event, you know, that this corn stays so expensive on the world market and we have a hard time uh, moving it out for export. Let's move over to beans uh, because you did kind of, I mean, what you just said uh, applies to this bean market. And it's also similar to what we talked about in both wheat and with corn. This uh, price, though, is $14. Uh, is that both good and bad for bears and bulls? I mean, is that a technical thing uh, or just a mentality? 
You know, whenever we came out of the report, I guess the way I want to answer it is this. You know, we went out back up over $15, and we showed that this mark, market simply didn't want to spend any time above $15. Uh, we pulled back, you know, but it seemed like we don't really want to race below $14 at the same time. So you look at the bean market and you ask yourself, where's the value zone or where's a safe place to be? And I think what you have to understand on beans, you've got two different dynamics going on. Very tight situation here in the U.S. as we speak currently. And I say that because the 50 and a half yield certainly uh, could change a decent amount, I think, in October. What we're hearing on early yields is that some of these beans are awfully good. But the difference is that the world situation is different than domestic. Domestic's very tight. Uh, we're going to add around 10 million tons to the world balance sheet, according to the USDA numbers. And I've got to think that uh, there's a fair amount of merit there. We look towards South America. Brazilian producers going to come at us with more acres yet again this year. And if La Nina isn't as prevalent as what it's been these last couple of years, we know it's still hanging around. But if it isn't as prevalent, we've got to think that uh, you could be looking at 145, 150 million ton uh, crops. So uh, two different dynamics, uh, world versus domestic. And once again, I I've got to think a person has to be very cautious as to assume these beans are just going to stay supported for perpetuity. All right, let's move to the livestock. Cattle on feed came out just before we recorded today. A couple of numbers right on what they were before, but there was one number that jumped out. On feed placed both at 100, but it was this marketed in August at 106. Is that the number that jumped out to you? You know, it sure looks like a big number. A lot of folks were expecting marketed to be fairly high. I think whenever you look at this cattle, I mean, fundamentally, you're going to be losing numbers moving forward. Yes, you've got uh, a cold storage report showed, you know, significantly higher stocks. I think I believe 24% versus what we were at a year ago. Uh, but at the same time, I think a lot of folks are holding on to some of this uh, meat. And I think you're looking at people expecting that you're going to see uh, just markets continue to get better as far as the cattle prices go, the problem is going to be profitability for the producer. And so uh, feeding high cost grains is certainly going to be a major headwind. And I've got to think that it's going to be uh, really tough over the next, you know, six to eight, 10 months. But I, I do feel like for the cattle producer, uh, you're going to see some real good profitability coming as long as you get a decent crop out of uh, South America and or the U.S. in the next 12 months. And if that happens, I've got to think that profit margins could be quite robust for those producers. And it is that major tug of war, that, that, that profitability, and if you can hold out. Do you know of anybody that's in a position that who might be able to hold out a little longer than somebody else? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, there, there's going to be a lot of folks, I think, that see this coming, and you've got to assume that you've got the opportunity moving forward uh, to do well in this environment. But at the same time, it is going to be a capital-intensive situation. If you don't uh, have your feed costs hedged, it's certainly going to be tough. And quite frankly, over the last several months, there hasn't been very many good opportunities to do so. And so, you know, a day like today in the uh, corn market, I think there's some cattle producers that are uh, quite happy to see that kind of trend, and they're probably hoping to see more further yet. Uh, the only way, way that you're probably going to see that is if maybe this U.S. crop tends to grow just right. a little bit, uh, which is certainly a possibility, but it's not something I'm banking on currently. Is the hog producer looking at the same market and thinking the same thing, or are they different? 
Yeah, I mean, whenever you look at the hog producer, I mean, the, the bottom line is uh, if you don't have really good export sales, it's tough to sustain the hog market to get up to those triple digit type numbers. And so, of course, you got front month again, uh, uh, in, well in excess of uh, your, your December. So you've got a, a pretty good inverse there. But at the same time, you've also got the cash market fairly strong. And so I've got to think you're going to get some support in here for hogs. But the only way you're going to get a sustained rally, in my opinion, is you're going to have to see really strong uh, export sales moving forward. Right on cue, Mr. Bennett. You ended right on time. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. We'll talk to you in a moment because we're going to put a pause on this analysis and continue with Matthew and answer more of your submitted questions in our Market Plus segment. Find that on our website of markettomarket.org in podcast form and also on YouTube. All of these resources that I mentioned, they're free. And thank you for helping us hit a milestone on our YouTube channel. As more of you are finding the show, the Market Plus, and our stories that are available each and every week, join our family by subscribing to the feed of Market to Market. Next week, we're going to keep going on this crop harvest report. Check in with that. Thank you so much for watching. Have a great week.